Hello, kids. It should be kids the name of the fan base of this podcast, or maybe it should be Babblers. Maybe the Babblers it's a better nickname for the fan base. Maybe I don't know. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. Let's see how the community accepts it. You know, in the future. Uh, let's just jump into it. First fresh episode after the the Grime Grimes one. I have a sneaking suspicion that probably the later records are probably harder to talk about because there is, of course, less history attached to them. So that's a lot of what I say is how they affect me, you know, growing up was all maybe meet uh, trajectory there, you know, maybe as a young adult, some of them influenced me in that regard, although I'm not that old, but most of them would be uh, either from my formative years or maybe 21, 22, I'm 29 at the moment, bordering on 30, actually in a few days, uh, 12 days, actually, almost 11 days at this point. So let's go, let's go, let's see which one I will speak about. Who is the lucky, lucky bastard? 138 is the number. The album is Iron and Wine. The Creek drank the interesting as well it's always interesting right uh, this thing that I'm doing I like because there's a lot of um, self-fulfilling prophecies here uh, it's basically if there is a more formative artist and formative record uh that is uh that thing would be iron wine not specifically this one uh this album from 2002 is his first one i wasn't uh, aware of much anything on 2002 besides like new metal and basically system of a down and some other things that my brother uh, listen to and I and I listen to as well. I ended up become becoming a fan of System of a Down for a lot, lot longer than from that period. But it was the the height of that that band's popularity with their two thousand one record. But Iron Wine was the first actually folk and acoustic uh, acoustic type of music that I've listened to ever. So this artist, and specifically the Chapper's Dog, which is the 2007 record from, from, from him, uh, Sam Beam, it's called Iron, Iron Wine, but it's basically one guy uh, over there, Monica, right? It, it is a Monica that he uses. Uh, is basically him. I mean, of course, bands from an artist they change, you know. So it, it might have a circular lineup. Oh, sorry. Uh, 
might have a circular uh, I just bang on the microphone here. Uh, you might have a circular lineup and change from time to time, much like Queens of the Stone Ages or maybe Bright Eyes, you know? A band not necessarily is uh, a fixed formation for all um, their career. Usually it can be, actually, the the brainchild of someone, some singer-songwriter that goes with a moniker and depending on their influences and depending on the the bands that they are circulating to, with, they ended up collaborating and becoming part of the band. Anyway, that's a big, big digression there. So Iron Wine, um, I remember watching a kind of list TV, MTV program at that point. It was called uh, Top Top. And they were like, maybe the theme of the list was the best uh, acoustic acts or something like that. Uh, it was a period of time where MTV really recommended things. They they revolved around music and all that. Maybe that's very alien to some people that maybe don't remember or maybe, you know, because it's been a while that they don't do that anymore so they were like the the friend who recommended music right at some point and for the most part of their history as a brand they were there actually uh, that became the internet and the algorithm right in a way nowadays but at that point they had that so you you catch some something playing you catches your interest you either go download their 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 song or their album or go to a store to see if there is a, a CD from that band. You know, you just make sure that you stand to the end, just see the the name of everything. So, and I remember seeing the theme was something like the most beautiful uh, songs or whatever. And I think Passing Afternoon was listed because I do remember the specific music video that they they. they play a little bit and I thought wow that's a what a what a total departure from what I usually understand as music right it was like discovering uh, it's like hearing a new language for the first time but you can understand a little bit I don't know it's maybe that's not a very but it, it was something that really grabbed my curiosity. And I, I was probably looking to branch out from the things that I was already listening, right? And it wasn't exclusively like things like Iron Wine. I was already listening to some Samba stuff, to some MPB stuff at that time. It was already at the beginning of that, right? It was. It wasn't very. Um, um, I mean, it, it was everything at the same time. And I remember seeing that, and it was downhill from there, right? When I got into the into the bug of folk music, I just basically went backwards from. Um, what I was understanding there in 2007, right? Was there was that year? So in 2007, I kind of discovered a new 
uh, way of making music. And then after that, uh, I really liked uh, Beirut, uh, the band Beirut. Uh, I really liked Arcade Fire. And that basically went from there. And then everything else I discover by doing the, the backwards until I reached the Beatles. And, but I did that in maybe like three months. I kind of went through all everything, right? So in, in terms of what it, what it was there, in terms of more melodic uh, and, and more, more, you know, essentially what wasn't new metal. And, you know, things that, like Deftones or Slipknot or Korn or that type of thing, you know? I, I went backwards on the history of folk music until then and was discovering, like, of course, Bob Dylan came into the mix. Uh, Gene Clark, I was always a big fan of Gene Clark, uh, especially White Light, the album White Light. is a... a used to play with the birds right on the first birds records he his solo career is pretty good uh, and then nick drake and you know just goes and goes and goes and goes it's it's almost uh unending to this day i f i find that type of approach musically speaking it's one of the most interesting ones for me like the guitar bass stuff and i do understand that that's probably what are the most common? What are the most common uh, paths? Sorry, I'm very very tired. Uh, probably one of the most um, common paths paths. If you wanna play music, you just learn the guitar, right, and, and do the basic there. Uh, no, I mean, whatever, right? Do what what do what's best for you or, or something like that. But what I'm trying to say is um, really changed that particular artist and that particular, because uh, 2007's uh, The Shepherd Dog, like the 2007 record, it's more Baroque in a lot of ways. So the instrumentation is way richer with uh, like with woodwinds and with uh, strings and with banjos, you know, it's a full-on, full-formed, ambitious uh, folk album with the bare bones of the, of the acoustic instrumentation, of course, because he's an excellent guitar player, right? Sam Bing. Uh, Sam Bing. See, he's an excellent uh, instrumentalist, so it, it does have that backbone of the songs that you can check on the on the first releases his two first albums quick direct cradle and our endless number days they are basically essentially acoustic albums much to the tradition of pink moon and you know a few there's a few records they are uh, only acoustics right uh, only acoustic guitar is where rare to have that on, on, on folk music usually at least has a drum to some extent uh, but with the case of those two records he only has the, the acoustic guitar as instrumentation 
I do believe so that on the second one that's the case. Whatever. On the first one that's definitely not that's definitely the case. Uh you have only the guitar and it has a very lo-fi identity to it, but not necessarily what the lo-fi would become later. So it it does have a home made recording quality to it uh, quality to it but it's not for aesthetic purposes at least not the way that the lo-fi genre like Ariel Pink or, or, or guys like that use the lo-fi as a creative tool right it's more of like the recording equipment was very simple was very crude and he just probably had like a four channel uh, recorder, like a tape one. Of course, then the beginning of the of the two thousands, that was the main technology available to to people to record stuff. So he probably did that, and it's very very strong, like songwriting uh, wise, and of course of course performance wise, uh, it it does really a very well good job and it's a very wholesome album uh it, it does have the contemplation of the the rural uh kind let's say it's it's a very uh sitting on the porch and 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 looking at the vegetation move with the wind right or or maybe just looking at the at the at the waves of the of the ocean you know Maybe it's it's a very um like let's take a long lo- long walk type of album because it doesn't have too many highs and lows it doesn't have many surprises it's just the like 28 minutes or something like that it's a very short record as well so it's a very streamlined singer-songwriter album roughly recorded but with a very cute honesty about it and someone helming the instrument that really knows it pretty well you know very well up to that point and ambition wasn't necessary on the making of this album and I did enjoy it in my later days, right? I didn't, I didn't came to it quite because if you grab Iron and Wine, uh, Iron and Wine discography, you're gonna see a progression of ambition, and that's translated within the range of instruments that he has. So as he went further, and it didn't take very long time to just fully fully form like the the his sound as a you know very ambitious folk folk uh recording artist uh the, the first two ones are more bare bones the first one being as bare bone as possible the second one it's a version of the first one with new songs of course but it has a more high quality technically speaking um, the instruments have more fidelity in the recording. Uh, you can 
understand what's going on pretty clearly, right? So, so, uh, pretty, so it's it's basically the progression of as he went further, he was oh maybe he started with an approach. Let's be curious about the the, the folk and the acoustic guitar. Uh, and the singer, that's pretty much all you need for a folk artist, a folk record even. But then as he progressed and had, you know, got a little bit more acclaim, he kind of changed his way of of, of seeing music and probably taught a, a more uh, Baroque and orchestral approach. Not that it is anything or, orchestral there or, you know, in the, in the classical sense. Just a lot of instruments, that's what I mean. Uh, it was probably the better way to go to express his compositions and his ideas. Um, nonetheless, his his first album, uh, which can be considered like the, the most cynical people can probably consider um, a very rough version of what he what he did before. I do think that's one of the most impressive, impressive pieces of work that he has. Um, I'm not a big fan of the later material in, in the sense that I didn't even hear it, right? I'm, I'm, I'm very big on the three first albums, but on the other ones, I'm not very well versed in it. I'm not sure why, because I do... Sometimes I, I'm lazy for things that I that I shouldn't be, or there is no reason about it. You know, I'm sure that you probably feel the same way. Uh, if you listen to this, you probably somehow you have some relationship to music, right? So you probably felt that way, uh, like with a record from an artist that doesn't release many records regularly. When they release a new one, you kind of oh, you take it takes five months for you to listen to it. You know, I I tend Except maybe, well, if Nick Cave releases something today, I will probably have a listen the same day. Uh, the National Radiohead and the Brazilian band Los Hermanos, which I will, if they put new material out, I will listen the same second that I hear from it, right? Uh, and a couple of rappers as well, like Kanye or, you know, there's there's... There's people that you are perpetually curious about what they put in, they put out, but there's some stuff that you know. Although it's a very important album uh, and a very important artist, um, I'm happy just to revisit the the the, the earlier material for nostalgia uh, purposes, right? Uh, nostalgic purposes. So, and it does resonate quite a lot with the melancholic teenager that I was and, and of course, with the melancholic adult that I am as well. Uh, it was always resonate. Good folk music has the capacity of just staying uh, very uh, current, right? Always. It's very hard. It's very hard. It's very hard for a truly well-crafted folk song to age unless you're talking about like the more medieval uh, influenced ones from England those things can be you know a little bit here and there but 
I mean, if the composition is there, if the melodies are there, if the harmonies are there, it's very hard for the for that type of of, of songwriting to be uh, surpassed. Let's say, uh, and it's 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 a genre that always, almost by design, has to hold a candle to what it came before, right? So it's very rare that you find an artist, a folk artist, uh, totally negating what happened in the past with that genre so a couple of examples come to mind like uh villagers it's a good example and of course iron wine it's the perfect example right because he does pretty much what nick drake did uh, with the acoustic wait i keep saying acoustic 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 guitar and singer over there because that's the the pink moon approach um but for example villagers very influenced by new young a lot very influenced by um what else i can say that he's influenced by influenced by i don't know actually well psychedelics for the most part by the the psychedelia from 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 the 60s and the 70s um and it it's impossible not to hold a candle to those guys because the the bare bones of the of the songs are so recognizable and chords and chord progressions are so you know they repeat themselves so much it would be kind of ridiculous not you know trying to be avant-garde and not not holding a candle to Neil Young, to to Nick Drake, even to Elliot Smith, you know those those uh, those artists that really formatted the genre. Elliot uh, Smith is a great example. It's kind of a punk rock situation with him, because he is a uh, folk singer songwriter, but his whole his whole uh, visual style it's kind of more emo and hardcore in a way. Uh, you can say that that's as far as you get with uh, subversion in folk music, unless you are totally uh, mixing mixing up like metal, punk. You know, a, a pure folk singer songwriters rarely um, negate what came before. Right? They have to be influenced at least by someone that played folk in the past. Right? It's the thing here with Iron Wine, as I said. I can probably think of, uh, about um, Richard Dawson, which is one folk singer from writer who is very subversive uh, and very long-winded, very thorough stories, you know. But even him, uh, which is more the more medieval style, like the more avant-garde style of folk music, even him is kind of influenced by something else. It's, it's probably a little bit, because I just thought of rap by being kind of the same thing, but rap, the subversioning rap, it's more, more common and probably easier to do because you have, you don't have as much as of an instrumental uh, constraint. Uh, if you, think about the guitar and the piano the two main instruments within the folk 
uh, tradition, there's not much you can do that you wasn't done before, you know? So you can be original as a soul, let's say, as a soul of a singer-songwriter. You can be original in that sense, in the, singer, in the, in the lyrical content or the way that you sing, like Bon Iver, very very subversive, very revolutionary in that sense. But there is melancholic stuff kind of with his vein, you know. But yeah, okay, Bonivere might be one of the bold, one of the boldest uh, examples there. Yeah, interesting, interesting, interesting that that came up. Okay, uh, he but he's probably very influenced by Elliot Smith, right? He's probably very influenced by country music. Um, most definitely, the the most uh, melancholic type of country ballads and all that. He's a very well versed guy, and he was always subversing and subverting and uh, subverting. No, subverting. Yeah. He was always doing the different stuff from record to record. You know, so it's very hard to pin him as a folk artist. Coming back to Iron and Wine, uh, I tend to re really um, to going a lot of digressions in this discourse that I have here. Um, let me grab the track list here. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, very rough around the edges. Very, very elucidative album elucidative that's something there that's a word okay i hope that it is has a lot has a lot of uh reference to animals it has a biblical uh depth to it as well i don't know if that's physically um the, the way that it tells a story it seems like it is an old soul that's telling those stories you know and uh, that's saying that that that's telling you this that poetry. It seems a uh, like a like a biblical character in a way. It's very contemplative. Uh, it's very old like. Um, it doesn't have the same pop sensibility as the the other albums, especially Passing Afternoon, which is the last uh, last song from the from the next album or Endless Number Days. Uh, love and some verses, or you know, it doesn't have those naked as naked as as we can came. God, pronunciations. Uh, naked as we came. Cinder smoke. And they they have kind of a a good pop uh, capacity to them. A very um, well formed idea, pop wise. The creek drank from no. The, the creek drank the cradle, which is in in and of itself, it's kind of a cryptic um, statement there. What is the creek and what is the cradle? You know, it, everything is kind of enveloped in a metaphor always. Uh, that's probably what I mean by biblical. It's more of the utilization of metaphors and 
you know, that type of elucidative uh, songwriting and cryptic as well. So I think that's pretty much all I have to say about this album. Um, I have to admit that I'm not listening to this very often because it's been a while since I've since I uh, known Iron Wine. It has 39 minutes actually. Just a correction from the other statement that I had. Uh, it's probably not the best way to start. We probably want to start with either the second or the third one. Or maybe some some uh, recent release of his. Uh, you can start either with the twenty nine album. Oh, the the one that he did with Kalahiko, it's pretty good. Uh, Kalahiko, it's a California band. They have a lot of uh, Mexican influences and like punk influences as well. They did a, an album together. It's it's a very alive, very charismatic album. They have, uh, he has a lot of releases. I probably don't listen to them since the 2007 one. I probably should, I probably should have a listen to uh, his material because he's a very wholesome composer. And I do love him very very much i i'm i'm very uh thankful for everything that he did for my musical taste because i it would be impossible to live without the things that i discover because of him you know because he opened that door he was a gateway drug to basically the most uh important albums in my life i i, I can't imagine like sofian stevens nick drake even Nick Cave, Leonard Cohen, I can't imagine my life uh, without having those records with me. And he was the stepping stone for a lot of them. And in his own right, an excellent songwriter and a very entertaining musician as well. So I have nothing but love for San being. And of course the beard, right? The beard influenced me a lot. So because of his beard, I was very compelled to grow my own when I was uh, an adolescent, although mine never came to his uh, opalescence. So you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a great beard. It seems like a very genuine guy. It's, um, it seems like a great artist and very, very cool, very cool ac acoustic, uh, acoustic, <laughs> acoustic uh, stuff. If it's not your speed, I don't know, maybe nothing is then, you know, in a way. If you don't like that type of thing, so don't don't bother listening to anything else then because you know you're not gonna you're not gonna be satisfied by anything else think in in terms of acoustic um acoustic folk 
because it it tends to it's not you know this is as basic as it gets right in terms of a nice melody and a competent singer and a competent very very good uh, instrumentalist that's it i think i'm i'm aiming for the episodes to be around 35 minutes and maybe just you know a quick uh session at the end just you know i'm just talking about whatever it might be the case that i can talk about i'm really enjoying those 12 episodes so far i do think that this is the self-reflection time right this is the this is where you 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 listen to me more att attentively uh, I'm, I'm enjoying i'm enjoying doing this i think it's a it's a very fair hobby hopefully i have something to say of any any goodness right um there's a quite nice list of albums that I that I gathered so far. I I hope to keep going. I hope to reach your ears. More and more and more and more. Okay. Uh listen to it, Iron Wine, Creek Drank the the Cradle. It's a it's good stuff. It's good stuff. It's rough. If it is rough, if it is too rough for you, try the second one. Because the second one tends to be a very similar record, but with a more cleaner, cleaner sound. But then eventually you're gonna appreciate the first one, because um, yeah, because of all the reasons that I already laid out. I'm gonna re-listen into it. I'm gonna re-listen to it. Um, it. It is it is a mood listening. To to be honest, I mean you have to have the space for the melancholy to to arrive but it's not over the top so that that's one thing that he probably grabbed a lot from nick from nick drake specifically uh his vocal delivery it's not over the top at all almost never he's a very flat type of singer he does what he needs to do but he doesn't go very far in terms of reaching high notes or being over the top dramatic right so that's why it's a very steady type of listen i don't know what he what he became with the later albums i probably should check that out as well to see if i'm saying something out of line here but even on the on the more fully fleshed instrumentally um like the the, the like the shepherd's dog it's more uh, it's always very monotonic it's always very you know delivering what he needs to deliver you know whispering way you know he doesn't and, and nick drake probably it's very known for that right that's the main thing that he's known for that um nick drake eventually hopefully i can speak about nick drake in the future because that's probably the, the most important singer songwriter in my life and the one that basically everyone that i met that i care for and i talk about music with that person right because there's people that i care for and i just don't talk about music uh, everyone that i share that passion with i mentioned nick drake because it's very 
very often that he's not uh, people are not aware about him and it's like you know it's like a yeah he's a, a, a precious precious uh precious guy as a songwriter all my my love interests <laughs> heard about nick drake at some point because i think you know if i can't do it maybe he can even if he's dead anyway i will i will wrap this up now so great folk album tends to be a little bit rougher on the edges but give it a go uh, that's the goal of this whole thing here is that you check it out and maybe it can change your your perception about some things as well all right uh, thank you thanks for listening as always bye